Good morning. I am glad to see you all here today. Um, Chad is not here today. Chad is uh, at uh, Pleasant Grove Baptist Church. He is baptizing his niece today. So uh, I am trying to fill in for him and doing announcements. So I do have a few. Um, this Wednesday at 6 o'clock, he is going to have a follow-up meeting with all the, the leaders and people that help with VBS. If you could meet with him in the, uh, in the youth building at 6 o'clock this Wednesday, July 6th, so that uh, he can just have some ideas for next year, what worked, what didn't work, and just a follow-up meeting. And then this Friday, the, the 8th, at 9 a.m., the youth are going to meet here at the church, and they're going to South Mountain to go hiking. There's going to be a picnic lunch that will be provided for them. So 9 o'clock this Friday, meet at the youth building to go hiking at South Mountain. And then uh, this Thursday, the men are planning to work. It is dependent on how hot it is or if it rains. Because, you know, this time of year, things change day to day. So uh, they will let you know for sure Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon if they're going to work Thursday. But they're asking. They've got some stuff that has to get done. So if you're able and they are going to have work day, if you could please come out and help them. 6 o'clock back here at the tool room. 6 o'clock back here at the tool room meet on Thursday. Then don't forget about our regular prayer meeting Wednesday. She's back, by the way, if you've not noticed. She's already telling me what to do from behind the scenes back here. I know you can't see her because of me. Go ahead, take your bow, Sandra. She, is, uh, she wants me to tell you guys she's not contagious. But if you want to call her Typhoid Mary, you can. But uh, she isn't contagious. Um, she does, she's recovering now from a sinus infection and an upper respiratory infection and an ear infection. So all those childhood diseases and, and sicknesses, this old lady got. I've missed you. <laughs> I've missed you. We are also celebrating the 4th. Tomorrow is our country's birthday, Independence Day. So uh, we're going to be celebrating that um, today in song and pledges. And uh, just I mean, I'm just thankful for our country and the freedoms that we do have. It is nothing compared. I was talking to Nancy about some of the stuff that was going on in Nicaragua right now and what their government is doing and, and what they're allowed to do and what they can't do. And I am so grateful that we still have the freedoms in our country. And uh, if you're here visiting with us today, please take a moment to fill out a visitor's card and drop it off at the Welcome Center when you leave. Um, we just want to have a record of your attendance and we just want to say thank you for being here. And thank you for all those that are joining us online that can't be here in person. But um, it is great to be in the house of the Lord today. 
And as we begin our time together, if you would please join me in prayer as we begin our worship service. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come humbly bowing before your throne today. Dear Lord, even though that we are celebrating our great country today and our and Independence Day, we are here to celebrate you. We are here because of you. And dear Lord, we ask that just for this short time that you take the cares of the world away from us, what we're going to have for lunch, what we're going to do this afternoon, what we have to accomplish, that all of that leave our minds just for this short time so that we can fully concentrate on you. Dear Lord, we pray that your spirit opens our ears and our hearts so that we may hear from you today whether it's through the songs that we sing or what is said. Dear Lord, I ask you to speak through me today that we, when we leave this place, we will know that we have heard God and have been in His presence. But above all, dear Lord, we ask that you have your way today. That people come to know you as their Savior through the proclaiming of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that lives and souls will be changed. Continue to make us your disciples so that we may take your word with us when we leave. And we give you all the honor and praise for everything. And it's in the name of of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our call to worship, hymn number 630, America the Beautiful. We'll sing the first and the third verses, and then would you remain standing for the pledges, 630. For spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain, America, America, God shed His grace on thee. Shining sea, oh beautiful for heroes proof in liberating strife. What more than self their country loved and mercy more than
please remain standing as we pledge allegiance to the American flag. Attention, salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now let's <clears throat> give allegiance to the Christian flag. Attention, salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag, but to the Savior and to the kingdom it stands, one brotherhood uniting all Christians in service and love. And let us pledge allegiance to the Bible. Attention, salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. My feet, a light into my path, its words I will hide in my heart that I might not sin against God. Thank you. You may be seated. The children are now dismissed to go to Children's Church with Miss Laura. Thank you, Sharon, for singing. 
Thank you, Sandra, for being back and, and leading us. And as we celebrate the birthday of the United States of America and the freedoms that we as citizens enjoy, we need to look at something that is being undermined, maligned, and questioned constantly. And that is truth. More accurately, absolute truth. You see, this opposition to truth is not anything that is new. Around 2,000 years ago, during the trial of Jesus, Pontius Pilate asked the question, what is truth? And that is the question we're going to look at today. So if you would turn to John chapter 18, verses 37 through 38, this is going to be our jumping point today. And if you stand as I read this, this is what is written by the Apostle John as Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate in his trial. It said, Pilate therefore said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. Let's pray. Our blessed Lord, thank you for what is recorded here. And thank you for the fact that we see that we are not dealing with anything that has not already been dealt with in your word. That the more things change, the more they stay the same. And dear Lord, as we look at your word today to answer what is truth, speak through me today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I recently watched the documentary by Matt Walsh entitled, What is a Woman? In this documentary, Mr. Walsh traveled all over the world asking the simple question, what is a woman? He asked this question to people on the street as well as those that we would consider the experts medical doctors, psychiatrists, family counselors, politicians, and even university professors. And as part of that, Mr. Walsh interviewed Dr. Patrick Zarga, or Zanga, an associate professor and the chairman of the Interdisciplinary Program in Women, Gender, and Sexuality at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. During the interview, Matt Walsh asked Dr. Patrick Zarga, or Zonka to define the term woman. Dr. Zonka, Gronks, G-R-Z-A-N-K-A, Zonka. Why is this so important to you? The professor asked him. I am just trying to get to the truth, Walsh said. Yeah, I mean, I'm really uncomfortable with that language of like getting to the truth, Zranka said. 
Why is that uncomfortable? Asked Walsh. Because that, it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me, and if you keep probing, we're going to stop this interview, the professor said. If I probe about the truth, what the truth is? Walsh asked. You keep invoking the word truth, which is condescending and rude, the professor said. I'm saying to you, how is the word, how in the, is the word truth condescending and rude, Walsh asked, interrupting the professor. Why don't you tell me what your truth is, and you're walking on 30 seconds more of thin ice before I get up, the professor said. What is your truth? Here, this college professor became upset by the word truth. And you see, in a postmodern world that denies truth exists and sees the seeking of truth offensive, the question is even more important to answer. What is truth? In defining truth, it is first helpful to look at what truth is not. And I've got a list of things that truth isn't. Truth is not simply whatever works. Just because it works doesn't mean that it's true. Remember the old saying, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Sometimes you get lucky by doing it wrong and it just works out. But truth is not just whatever works. Truth is not simply what is coherent or understandable. Somebody can be very articulate in expressing something. And just because it's coherent, just because it's well put together, it can be a well put together lie. It doesn't mean it's true because it sounds coherent and understandable. Truth is not what makes people feel good. Just because it makes you feel good doesn't mean that it's right. I'm sure drug addicts, when they are shot up on drugs, they feel really good. But they're killing themselves by doing that. Just, truth is not making people feel good. Which unfortunately is being preached a lot from pulpits today. Truth is not what is comprehensive. Just because it includes everything doesn't mean it's true. Truth is not defined by what is intended. Good intentions doesn't mean that it's true. You ever heard the say, saying the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Just because it's, it's, it's got good intentions doesn't mean that it's true. And truth is not how we know, but truth is what we know. Or more to the fact, who we know. Truth is not simply what is believed. Just because I believe something doesn't mean it's true. If I believe a lie, guess what? It's still a lie. Truth is not what is publicly proved or accepted. In other words, the majority is not always right. Just because it's popular doesn't mean that it is correct, that it's true. You see, the Greek word translated truth is aletheia, 
which literally means unhide or hiding nothing. It conveys the thought that truth is always there, always open, and available for all to see with nothing being hidden or obscured. Look at John 14.6. And this is a great verse. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, Jesus is telling His disciples I am hiding nothing. I am available to everyone. I am open. All you have to do is accept it. So here when Jesus says that I am the truth, this is what He's saying, that word that He used, aletheia. Or aletheia. That's what He's saying. These people that He was speaking to understood what He meant. And the Hebrew word translated truth is emet, which means firmness, constancy, or consistency, and duration. There is no end to it. Such a definition implies an everlasting substance and something that can be relied on. This is also a name of God. Truth. Psalms 31, 1 through 5. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. You see, truth is not just something. Truth is someone. So why did this professor and so many other people get upset with the mere mention of truth? I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around that. Why they got so upset. Why they were so offensive. So let's look at the offensive nature of, of truth. Why are they, they getting upset? Well, the first thing is, is this, is that truth is seen as offensive because it is narrow-minded. Matthew 7, 13-14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. 
So people are offended by truth because they see truth as being narrow-minded. Well, I can't use, Paul, I'm sorry, but I can't use English laws to define truth because with English laws, like I before E, there's always an exception. Except after C. So that's not absolute truth because there's always exceptions. But we can use math. And math is narrow, very narrow-minded if you honestly want to look at it this way. Because 2 plus 2 equals what? Will it ever equal 3? Will it ever equal 5? It always equals 4. 2 plus 2 always equals 4. That is truth. There is nothing we can change it. We don't want to have to believe it. But no matter how hard we try, nothing is ever going to change the fact that 2 plus 2 is 4. So truth is narrow-minded. But that's what people get upset about because they want to say, no, 2 plus 2 is 5 or 2 plus 2 is 16 and that's my truth and I'm sticking it to it. You need to have a broader mind and accept everything. You have to expand yourself. You have to expand your mind and accept all of it. <clears throat> truth is truth, period. It is very narrow-minded. But that's what people get offensive because it's not all-inclusive. It it's not broad-minded. So that's one of the things they say, that truth is being narrow-minded. If you accept truth and you believe in absolute truth, you are narrow-minded. Well, it's the only thing narrow about me. <laughs> truth is seen as offensive because it is arrogant to claim that someone is right and another person is wrong. James 4.17 Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does it, do it, to him it is what? Sin. What is sin? Sin is doing wrong. It's saying, I want it my way instead of God's way. Anything short of doing exactly what God says to do is what? Sin. And what's the middle letter of that word Sin. I. It's what I want. Well, I hate to tell you this, but again, if you're in math class and your teacher asks you on a test, two plus two equals, and you have to fill in that answer. How many correct, acceptable answers are there? One. Guess what that, that truth is telling you? You're either right or you're wrong. There is no in-between. There is no half credit. You either answer two, four and be correct, or you answer anything else and be wrong. That is truth. But that's one of the things that people have against it. That by saying that I hold to truth, I am saying, well, then everybody, you're wrong. If you believe in, in Buddha or in Muhammad or anybody else, my suspenders are falling down, they're, uh, that they're wrong. And, and that's wrong on my part. 
Because I'm being arrogant saying that there's only one absolute truth and you only have one right answer. And if you don't have the right answer, then you're wrong. That's one of their things. But James tells us that if we know to do right and we don't do it to us, it is sin. So there is right and wrong. Third thing, truth is seen as offensive because it is exclusive rather than being inclusive. Acts 4.12 And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which you must be saved. Luke did not choose his words randomly. Luke wrote exactly what God led him to write. For there is one name given that by which we must be saved. Well, when we say that, we're being exclusive. When we say that Jesus is the only way to heaven, we're being exclusive and we're excluding a whole big bunch. And God, this is what breaks my heart. That this garbage is being preached today in pulpits. Churches that claim to be serving and, and worshiping God and, and serving Christ are preaching that He is not the only way to heaven so that they can be inclusive. But Christianity, ultimate truth, absolute truth, is not... By its very nature, yes, it excludes. But according to John 3.16, it is inclusive because that is the Gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved who? The world. Is anybody excluded out of that? No. So where does the exclusion come from? For God so loved the world. Very inclusive. That He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's the exclusiveness. It's open to everybody. You have the chance to get it right. But you also have a chance to get it wrong and not do what it says. And not believe in Jesus Christ as the way to salvation. See, when you take that test in your math class, you have the opportunity to put down whatever answer you want to 2 plus 2, don't you? But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen because that is an absolute truth. The teacher is going, only going to accept the correct answers. All other answers are going to be what? Excluded. You're going to get a big red X on that, pay, on that question if you get it wrong. You guys get my, my thought? You like my little 2 plus 2 example? Because it fits with all of this. Because our society says, no, it's whatever 2 you want 2 plus 2 to equal. 
And then, truth is seen as offensive because it is divisive. It divides people. You don't bring unity, you divide them. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They, don't, they won't listen to sound teaching or, or correct teaching. But wanting to have their own ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from truth. Turn their ears away from what? Truth. And will turn aside to myths or lies. Jesus says that I come, that if you're going to be a disciple of me, you're going to have to hate your brother and love me. He's not literally saying that you're going to have to hate when you read it and understand what it's saying. He's not saying that I've got to hate my brother or my mother or my father, but I have got to love God more than I love them. That's what he's saying there. Truth is divisive. Because if you believe and you hold to absolute truth, two plus two equals four, then all those that answer anything else, what are they going to think about you? Are you going to be popular among that group? Nope. Because there's going to be jealousy. There's going to be hatred. They're not going to like you. Because you got it right and they got it wrong. And you're going to make them feel bad. Because they didn't get it right. Truth is truth. Regardless of how they felt, regardless of how they feel about you, two plus two still equals four. Okay? Now, why am I telling you all this? And why? This, this tells us why so many people get offended at the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is truth. Again, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, the truth doesn't tell us that we're all okay. The truth tells us that we are all sinners. Romans 3.23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Church, we're all messed up. In some shape or form, we are all messed up. We are all wrong. But the truth shows us the consequence for us being wrong and the reward for getting it right. Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life and Jesus Christ our Lord. See, people don't want to accept truth because they, they, they see it as, 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 as them coming, when they come face to face with Jesus Christ and they have to acknowledge that they're a sinner, that they're messed up, that they are not right. They have to acknowledge that whatever they think their truth is, it's a lie. And when you face a lie down with truth, what's going to happen? That lie is exposed. And when that lie is exposed, the Holy Spirit begins to work on you and letting you know and convicting you. And people don't like that. We don't like being told that we're wrong. That the way we're choosing to live is not right. That there's a problem. They don't want to be told, listen, I go to the doctor, I don't want to be told I'm fat. But if that doctor does her job, guess what she's going to tell me? You're fat. I don't like it. I don't want to hear it. But that doesn't change the fact that it's the truth and that I need to hear it. And there's going to be consequences. I'm facing consequences because I'm fat. We're going to face consequences. If we don't accept the truth, we're going to die and we're going to go to hell. But if we accept the truth and we accept the fact that we are wrong and that God has provided a way to make us right, we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then truth shows us God's de demonstration of love. Romans 5.8. You guys get the theme right here during this part. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were still getting it wrong, while we were still His enemy, Christ died for us. You know, one of the most misquoted things today is, is out of 1 John where it says God is love. They want to paint rainbows and flowers and, and you know and that's nothing new that was going on back in the 60s and stuff like that too so but they, they want it to 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 look all flowery and anytime you say anything that something's not right oh god is love and he's all accepting warm hugs and kisses puppies and kittens that's not god that's not the kind of god love that god is demonstrating here God is demonstrating hard, cold love. The kind of love that makes a man that has been raised as a carpenter that would haul around wood and cut wood and bang hammers and have calluses on his hands that walked everywhere he went. He was not a wimpy little flower child. Jesus. He was a man's man. A man that could take a beating of the cat of nine tails and still stand there. A man that could carry his own cross until the loss of blood weakened him. A man that reached out his hand 
and laid his hands down without the Roman soldiers having to tie it down to take a nail in it. To hang on the cross in agonizing pain and look at the thief standing beside him and say, today you will be in paradise with me. That's the kind of love that God demonstrated to us. It was the love that He was going to give everything that He had for us. And truth shows us that we must accept the truth. Romans 10.9 That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Not might be. You're not going to have to wait till you get to heaven to find out. And guys, I'm telling you, I don't know how many times I've heard Christians say, well, I'm going to have to wait to find out if I've been good enough. Newsflash, you will never be good enough. We will never be good enough. But praise God, Jesus is good enough for all of us. And we have to accept that fact. We have to confess that fact. That means that we don't, we don't become a Christian. We don't become place our faith in Jesus Christ and sit on it and be quiet. What does it say? That we have to confess with our mouth. That means we bear witness to it. That means we tell people about it. We just don't sit there. And truth brings us to peace with God. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith. And a good way to understand that word justified, I was always told, as I was told this as a child, and it stuck with me, that it's justified, never sinned. Okay? That we're justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We were once enemies with God. We stood in total opposition, just like the lie stands against the truth. That's the way, that was our relationship with God. We were in direct conflict and contrast to Him. But through Jesus Christ, we have made, made right, we have been justified. And once we know the truth, we are at peace with God because we're on the same side as truth. So in conclusion, this dirty little five-letter word, truth. But there's also another word that's actually a name that is also five letters that is very offensive to people. And people get upset when you mention it. Can you guys guess what that is? Jesus. Because there is only one absolute truth. Jesus. The living Word of God. Everything and anything else is a lie. 
So going back to the question, why did that professor get so upset? And why do all these people, I'm, I'm going to tell you, watching that documentary, that professor at UT was not the only one that, that threatened to end their, their interview. In fact, a senator from Northern California got up and walked out. And as he was walking out, he says, I just want to know what a woman is. And his aide, you can hear the aide speaking. He goes, well, you're not going to find out today as, she walked out, as they walked out. Then there was a, a pediatrician in Boston that they were, she, he was talking to and he was asking this same question. And, and he, he, he started talking about truth. He goes, and she was getting offended and threatening to walk out. And I started to understand this documentary was not a Christian documentary. It was a secular documentary. But I started to understand that the reason they were getting upset with the word truth and when he was wanting to find out the truth, the reason they were getting upset was because it was shining a light on the lies that they were living and they were teaching and they were pushing and then I also began to understand that, that when he was asking for the truth, what he was literally asking, even though it's not what he intended, it was, how does this match up to Jesus? In the light of Jesus Christ, where does this lie? Is it truth or is it a lie? And that's why they were getting upset. Church, we live in a society today where we have progressive Christians that are telling people, yes, I used to believe this, but I believe God has, has progressed me and I've expanded my mind and now I can see that all this stuff is acceptable. That, that we have people that say that I have freedom in Christ because I'm under grace. That I can do whatever I want to do and live however I want to do because I have that freedom in Christ because I've already, I've already covered it. Paul deals with that. And he says, what then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Saying, what do we have to do? Do we have to keep sinning so that we get more grace? That the grace Christ showed us on the cross wasn't enough? You want more of it? So you keep living that life and you keep doing these things. And he, said, he goes, on and gets, goes on and says, God forbid. I shared this with somebody the other day. I said, this is my arty translation. What are you, stupid? I mean, that's basically what he's saying. He goes, what are you thinking? That's not the way it works. See, basically, people that, this is what people want to say is that we can do whatever we want to because we're covered in grace. But when we stand before Christ, and yes, we as Christians are going to have to stand before Christ. And we're going to have to give account of what we've done. So basically, we're going to go up there and God's going to say, Jesus is going to say, so in other words, I died to give you forgiveness of this sin, but you use this sin for entertainment, for enjoyment. You kept doing these sins even though I died to cover it. In other words, you're making a mockery of what I've done on the cross. 
Freedom in Christ means that we are free not to be bound by sin anymore. We have the ability through Christ to walk away from it and not continue to commit. Does that mean that we get it right all the time? No. We don't get it right. Paul says, why is it that I do all the things I don't want to do and not do the things I know I, want to, I should do? But here's the point I want you to go from this place with today. That yes, we live in a country that we have the freedom to question everything. We don't have to take what our leaders say at face value. We can question them. We don't have to accept what is said. We can question. I have told you many times, if I say something from the pulpit, check me out with Scripture. If I ever teach something or say something that is not scriptural or from Scripture, I want to be called on it. I want you to question me. I want you to check me out. You don't take anything that we say here on earth. You don't take any of it for ultimate truth. And the problem is, is that we read a book and we're like, oh, babe, this is good. This is true. Not necessarily. We have to check it with the ultimate truth. There is absolute truth. Absolute truth in the form of God's Word. Absolute for, uh, truth in the form of Jesus Christ, the living Word of God. We do have absolute truth. And from the very beginning of time, lies and unrighteousness and wrongdoings have been at constant battle with truth. Jesus. God. It's not going to stop. But I've got another exciting announcement to make. Truth wins. In fact, truth already won. The enemy just doesn't know it yet. And we need to live our lives according to absolute truth. Like we have already won because we have. Church, don't let anybody question the truth. There is not a your truth and my truth and everybody else's truth. There is one truth. One absolute truth. Period. Just like 2 plus 2 equals 4 no matter how you do it. 2 times 2 equals 4 no matter how you do it. It is ultimate truth. Absolute truth. Don't let anybody tell you that it doesn't exist because it does. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know absolute truth. As we sing this song, this is the time of invitation. This is your opportunity to respond to the truth. Whatever it is God's telling you to do, if you want to know for sure and you want to know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, if you want to know absolute truth, this is your opportunity. Come forward. I would be more than happy to talk to you. There's other people that would be willing to talk to you to explain how you can know truth, how you can know Jesus Christ.
If you're looking for a church home and you don't have one yet and you want to become part of this church fellowship, we would love to have you come. Just come forward and we will do it. If you've accepted Christ and you've never been baptized, you've never professed it before people and you want to be baptized as a, as a way of showing people outwardly what has happened inwardly in you. We're going to be having a baptism coming up in the next couple of weeks. We would love to add you to that list. Come forward as a candidate for baptism. Whatever it is God is wanting you to do right now, don't leave this place without getting it done as we sing this song right now. Would you stand as we sing hymn number 405, Have Faith in God, 405. Thank you for being here today. Don't forget, be in prayer about deacon nominations. They will be coming up in the next week or so. But be praying about that, about who God would, would lead you to nominate as a deacon. We need two deacons so we can nominate four to, to fill those two spots that will be vacated at the end of August. So pray about that as we move forward. Also, don't forget Wednesday night, um, Bible study both here in the sanctuary and in the youth building at 6.30, and then the VBS follow-up meeting at 6 o'clock, and then the work day at 6 o'clock on Thursday. And youth, don't forget about 9 o'clock Friday morning to go hiking up uh, South Mountain. Thank you again for being here. We do appreciate it. We hope that God has blessed you. And don't forget, as you leave this place, that you are going out as Christ's ambassadors. So make sure that you act like you, you, you know him. Okay? And I'm going to ask Nick if he would dismiss us in prayer and we, as we leave this place today. Please join me in prayer. God, we thank you today for the freedom we have to worship you and this nation. We pray that you would keep us safe tomorrow as we celebrate our freedom. Lord, give us the strength to bear witness to the truth and to shine your light out into the world in this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.